Why do I feel like this is going to backfire on me? <laughs> I would like to know why we haven't talked in a little while. Um, have we not? Like, what's a little I feel while? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it just feels like years. Is years. That, is that? <laughs> that seems <accurate>. Exaggeration. <laughs> I feel like we've been texting a bit. We have, which is okay. Let me paint a picture for everybody. First of all, welcome back to Not Your Mama's Therapy. (laughs) I'm your host, Sarah Card, and I'm here with Larry Torrent, licensed marriage and family therapist, Mm -hmm. author, Mm. former big actor. Whoa. Also, Almost pro hockey player. <laughs> That's actually true. Just, it is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, I just didn't want to go and play in the wilds of North Iowa in the dead Listen, of December, January, February. I thought that was we, a bad idea. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You mm-hmm. made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I got traded to the um, Sioux City Musketeers. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, even those better. were a thing. <laughs> they are, in fact, teams. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, I love hockey, but mm. I'm not here to talk about hockey. I'm here to talk about our nighttime texting. <laughs> <laughs> it's become a bit of a thing. It's pillow talk. Because really I'm in bed. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ashley will be there like trying to get to sleep and she can't because the bed's shaking because I'm laughing. She'll just with eyes closed, she'll say, is that Sarah? It's Sarah, isn't it? I always know. I always know it's Sarah. Corey knows when he hears the bed vibrating, one of two things. I'm either laughing because I'm talking to you Mm -hmm. or I've pulled out my best vibrator. It could be one of two things. (laughs) For, for, For a little you time. Right next to him, like how awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't worry about it, Corey. Don't yeah. don't worry Mind about it. Mind your business. But the other night I was literally crying laughing as I'm yeah. reading these texts about yeah. your cat, Poncho. Poncho. He's a dick. <laughs> so Lair's talking about this cat and he he makes this cat sound like a terrorist. Mm, and he might be. Then you send the picture of him and he is the derpiest, <laughs> fluffiest, sweetest looking boy. No, don't even let him fool you. He's a st- <laughs> First of all, he's a stone cold killer. <laughs> We've got two Rhodesian Ridgebacks. He runs that show like oh it's his, he has he no does. fear. He has no fear. Whatsoever. Does not give a shit. Bitch slaps those two on a daily basis. My favorite <laughs> like, thing you said about the, the the two dogs, the two girls, is my dogs <laughs> were bred to fight lions. Yeah. But a cat will do in a pinch. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Poncho. Yeah. No, because I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, which is far, by the way. I'm not a cat person. We got a cat because oh. my kid's cute. My kid's really oh. cute. We had a cat that we were keeping around for a while. He was a, an outdoor cat. He wasn't really our cat, but he, he was, he was a cool cat. He obviously mm. had been hanging out with raccoons because mm. he, he, he would eat with his paws and, you know, oh. he just had this swagger about him. Like he'd seen some shit. And so we fed him <laughs> and he would hang out and then he got hit by a car and little Jasper ah. with his cheeks and just, I mean, the, just the mm. cutest 
turns to me and as because we had gotten Luke Skywalker, the cat, we had mm-hmm. him, you know, we, we, we had him, uh, we took him to the crematorium sure. and they gave him back to us and Jasper wanted to look at him. And so we were like, all right, cycle of life moment. Sure. And we pulled yeah. out the bag of dust that's, that's uh. now the cat. And he's like, he goes, I don't want this dusty old kitty. I want a new kitty. And my wife looks at me like, well, well we, we, we have to get a cat now. We, I was, we have to get a cat. There's that seems no strong. Option. That seems yeah. strong to me. Have to. And so, mm-hmm. and I'm not usually normal. I'm not normally like this, especially with her, but I'm like, you can get a cat. But remember, you have a cat. You and the boys have a cat. I have dogs. I'm a dog person. <laughs> That's my thing. I like dogs. I'm not all uh-huh. deference to people who like cats. You, you know, someone I yeah. love dearly. Sure. Love cats. For some reason, yeah. I don't hold it against you. <laughs> But here's this fucking poncho tears the shit out of my, my couch. Yeah. I mean, listen, Acts the fool in the morning wakes us all up all the time. Doesn't listen to the squirt bottle. <laughs> I come up blazed firing. I do blaze of glory. <laughs> Why am I picturing like reservoir dogs with your spray mm. bottle? Like, just... No, it's like young guns. I'm like, you know, they say that mm. cat people are smarter than dog people. And that's why we like cats. Is that right? It's. I think you all have attachment issues is what I think. It's a proven BuzzFeed article. Okay. I'm sure. I'd like to see the numbers on that. I took a class called Research Methods, so I'm going to be able to read it. Yeah. I'd like to see the sightings. They're few and scant and in. And a few years old. It's literally a study published by BuzzFeed. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. I only take uh, citations that are four years and younger. Oh, my God. But yeah, no, I think anyone who really likes cats, you really have to look at your attachment styles. Okay. Right. Because the cat is avoidant at best and anxious if you are avoidant. Right. That's the thing. Who yeah. do you think Poncho likes yeah. the most in the house? Ashley. Me loves me. I'm his guy constantly oh, barking oh, up my oh, tree. I get what you're saying now. I get what you're yeah. saying. Now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you okay. know, if I came up on his ass and was like, oh, Pancho, let's hang out and cuddle and shit. Like I do with those dogs. He'd be like, <laughs> right. fuck you, buddy. I'm out. That's Peace. true. Now I got so you. So does he like climb up in your lap and like try All and curl up? All the time. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'll wake up I that honestly, bastard sleeping on my chest. I honestly love that there is a cat in your life that's love bombing you. Like I just, I hate it so much. (laughs) I feel his need from the other room sometimes. You know what I mean? I don't want to text him. I don't want to call. (laughs) He's just sitting in his dirty dish rag basket waiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he likes too. I hold that against him. Can we talk about the the fact? Obviously the smart one. That you have a basket for dish cloths. You take him to the laundry room. Uh, who's okay tell me this yeah did you have a basket prior to meeting ashley uh no no that's a great question okay um but (laughs) listen i'm if anyone's gonna get the basket it's me i'm not gonna lie to you like when i first met her (laughs) the first time i came into her her apartment in new york city right i looked around there was a michelob light in the refrigerator that's it i looked around there's nothing on the walls and i'm like I go, how long until you, you could be out of here? She was 15 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, you know, she had lived in Costa Rica. She had lived in London and she's landed here uh, in New York and, you know, she was looking for a reason to run. You know? Right. 
Which and by somehow, the way made it all the more sexy. But you, but you'd come right. over to my house and there would be like, you know, there would be Tishrake wall baskets. hangings. <laughs> Seriously, like I had metroed that shit out. It styled that place. It looks good. The, the, but the thing is, is that if a woman walked into your apartment and it looked mm. like Ashley's apartment, she would yeah. immediately leave. Really? Like if she had any sense in her. She would imme- it would be like, okay, this guy, 100% a serial killer. 100%. Yeah, somehow on her, it's cute and sexy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like- I drank ah, the beer, by the way. I bet you did. I bet you yeah, did. Yeah, I figured it was from some other dude, and I wasn't going to man on it. Just pee. <laughs> Just mictorate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Drinking that fucking beer, because it's mine now. Like, you know, there was, there was an element of that. I'm not lying. Like, it was a little I, bit like I believe beer. you. Yeah. She's nomadic. That's the word I was looking for. Nomadic. Nomadic. And I was a hunter gatherer. (laughs) Of ladies. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. No. So um, I am excited to talk to you today because we're talking about something that you and I had talked about this offline at one Mm -hmm. point in time because I was, I think I had brought something to you, like some challenge I was facing in my life. And I was like, I keep trying to get to my wise self and tell mm-hmm. myself it's, it's okay. And it's good, whatever. And you introduced this concept that you had recently been thinking a lot about called the authentic self. Mm-hmm. And I, it changed the way that I sort of was critiquing myself, not Mm -hmm. even realizing it, because I was like, Mm -hmm. you're not hitting your wise self. So Mm -hmm. what I want to talk about today is the authentic self versus the wise self, and just have you kind of expand on that and us dive into that topic. So in order to talk about the wise self uh, or the the healthy self, the, the authentic self, and Perhaps there is a difference between the authentic self and and the wise self, and we can get into that in a minute. But I think in order to talk about them, we have to talk about mindfulness and we have to talk about parts, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you are not mindful and aware that you are not in your wise self, I mean, you may in retrospect go, yeah, I definitely wasn't in that wise self or my authentic self. I was triggered into something else. But mindfulness allows us to stop, push pause and go, okay, where am I? Who's here? How am I thinking? What am I feeling? And where would, how would I locate my wise self in this moment with this person in this situation? Sure. And it's at that point that we can do what in Buddhism we call naming, which is an age old, very, very simple practice. I probably talked about it in here before. Mm-hmm. When we push pause, we stop and we name the aspects of self that are here or what we're going through really. And as we name that, as we take that sort of inner roll call, we get a distance or a breath of space and you can't see me right now. I, I my hands kind of spread apart with uh, about, you know, five, six inches between them. And within that space, that's our space that I like to call choice. A lot of people think that they're, they have their thought, they have their feeling and they have their reaction. Taking that mindful breath allows us space to to name what's happening and to make a, ch- a different choice about how we react to that. Now, if we do that enough, and this is actually co- covered in IFS or internal family systems training, mm-hmm. if we do that enough, when we go through that inner roll call, that naming process, and we get that separation, the wise self naturally takes the seat of consciousness. And it does this because it doesn't actually care what experience we're having in life. It's the most Zen, most Taoist aspect of our parts. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of essentially saying, my opinion, that whatever you choose to do, 
whether you choose to be in your wounded child aspect of self, whether you decide to confront this piece through your defender aspects of self or your inner critic, it doesn't matter. It's all grist for the therapeutic learning mill. So have at it. But if you want me to be here, that's fine too. And so the way to find the wise self, ultimately the authentic self, is to go through that naming process, that inner roll call of naming the aspects of self that have shown up. No, it, exactly. And I, I think I think for me, that was the first step of understanding. And then I came to this place where I started mistaking that the, I, I started to to question the feelings that I was having. So for example, my idea of this wise self or my authentic self is like, okay, I I have to see the reasonings behind the actions that someone takes. I have to understand them. I have to, you know, be considerate of those things and then let go of my anger. And what you had kind of said is, well, yeah, but not always, you know, because... <laughs> You're allowed to be angry and you're allowed to erect boundaries. And wise self doesn't mean no boundaries. Right. No, it might mean more. Right. And that's when we had, mm-hmm. we had talked about this, this authentic self and what that actually means versus this, like you said, this Taoist sort of place of all understanding. There can be a lot of understanding, but understanding doesn't equate to tolerance. Right doesn't equate to you even repressing your feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. No. And for me, you know, when we talk about that wise sort of most Taoist, most Zen aspect of self, the part of us that's perhaps more the most enlightened piece within us, for me, it's hard. It's hard to stay in that aspect of self living in this world. Mm -hmm. Okay. People used to talk to me about, you know, the Pima Chodron and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, all of these Buddhist monks and their writings and all of it's lovely and beautiful and amazing and something certainly to aspire to. I would say, why don't you monks pack up your robes and come to New York City and try that shit on the way to my job as an, as an example, sure. right? It's really yeah. hard. And, and that's sort of a, you know, tongue in cheek example of like, well, perhaps we can't always do that. And perhaps it's not practical. To do that. Sometimes it might even be dangerous to be in that most Zen, you know, uh, Taoist place of, of wise um, uh, enlightenment. We do need boundaries. We do need to be able to push back. We do be able, we need to be able to say no. We do need to sometimes defend ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, if necessary. And I think our authentic selves which for me is a bit of a conglomeration of parts, all the parts of me, right? They all sort of sit at the table. My authenticity is in, yeah, everybody gets kind of a say. It's sort of a, the, the joint chiefs of, of yourself. And, and they all get to say, yeah, this looks like some fucked up shit. You probably shouldn't do that. Or that's some bullshit right there. Uh, right. Yeah, no, I know that person says they love you, but I don't think they do. It doesn't seem like they do. And mm-hmm. you may need to create some distance. That, that person might not actually be okay in your life anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that authenticity, the truth comes from that space of taking sort of a, a roll call around the inner aspects of yourself and, and kind of knowing what everybody says and coming from that place. You don't have to be totally zenned out and, and Buddhist in that, in that way, for lack of a better right. term. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And it was a huge lesson for me 
um, and why we're devoting a, a whole podcast to it, because I think you can go through listening to our, our parts of self episode and think, okay, I, I, I need to see when these parts are coming up. I need to name them. And then I need to like gently quiet them. And I loved what you just said about actually they're all given a seat at the table. We're not just handing them a lollipop and sending them to their room. Like they're all here. Sometimes they're all saying somewhat of the same thing, you know? And so it's up to your authentic self to listen to that and make judgments based on it and say, you know what? It's actually really okay. I'm pissed right now. Or it, right. it's, okay. it's probably, it might be appropriate, really appropriate right. to be pissed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay to feel defensive of your space, your time, your love, your whatever. That doesn't mean that, you know, your defender has taken charge. It means that maybe in this situation, your defender is actually doing the right thing. That's right. It just, it just is a huge lesson in terms of creating a space that allows all of your feelings to have a place, but not necessarily letting them go overboard or not letting them take you to a dark place or whatever mm-hmm. the situation might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there may be people out there saying, you know what, you know, my wise self does all that just fine. Mm-hmm. And to that, I say, good for you. These are just sort of thumbnail sketches of like, this is how I look at it. This is, this is some helpful, helpful ways that clients of mine have thought about it mm-hmm. and whatever really works for you. So if you, all you need is wise self, great. But for me, there's almost an ethereal essence, a soul essence to my wise enough self that it's almost like the best, most enlightened aspect of me. I have a hard time holding that space. I can do that when I'm in silence, when I go into some sort of solitude and meditation in nature on my surfboard, for sure, I can find that spot. Um, but the moment, you know, mm. friction comes in, stimulus comes in, and I have to play that ball, right? I have to decide what I'm going to do with that person, that thing. I certainly want input from all the aspects of myself because, again, anger might be appropriate to create some space. There is righteous anger. My authentic self doesn't stand back in the place of non-judgment and saying, well, that's okay. No, my feelings are hurt. Mm -hmm. My feelings are actually hurt. And this is the place where we can kind of begin to process what's happened to us. Mm -hmm. This is the place where we can consider the fact that like, you know, my core wounding is that I was not loved or that I was not safe. I didn't matter. I was not enough. Very often, if we go too quickly, I think into those spiritual aspects and that those spiritual writings, and we're trying to be like the Eckhart Tolle's of the world or the Gary Zukovs of the world, and we're really not. What we what we're doing is essentially spiritually bypassing, mm-hmm. and, and and that's a no no. You know, we don't mm-hmm. want to use spirituality and all of all of its forms to bypass our experiences because we're here to learn from those wounds and to just try and not feel how we actually feel by going straight to the wise self. Probably not going to help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to be in those places. We need to be able to stand on the bank of the river of our feelings. And from that authenticity, look at how we've been wounded and know what we need to do to heal that. Mm-hmm. And know when you're being wounded again, you know, know, know when, when those, you know, know when you're being wounded again. Yes. Yeah. You should yeah. know that because right, you can stand right. back in that spiritually bypassing place and say, yes, and this too. And yes. I understand and not really be in that space, actually taking on more wounding 
and mm-hmm. not really even know it later on kind of going, holy shit, I was just obliterated in that moment and I wasn't even really present for it. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, it, this just, this lesson is just something that especially recently, you know, with some family things, like it's just been so important for me to learn. And, and I think important for us to share because I, I, I was literally not realizing I was being wounded. You know, like mm-hmm. I was, I, all of my parts of self were, were sitting there saying, Hey, mm-hmm. we've been here before we've, mm-hmm. you know, we've had this situation before in, in a different capacity, of course, you know, and, and I wasn't listening because I was trying to like be super Zen and like, mm-hmm. just, you know, ah, you're, you, you've been through 12 years of therapy. You're, you're better right. than this. And it right. was like, wait a second, you actually are, are letting yourself be wounded again. And you got to step back. Right. And so when we're triggered in those, in this particular case, you know, I know you were dealing with family and, you know, family is, it can be as terrible as it is awesome for many people and family will absolutely trigger your younger wounded aspects of self, especially if those people are showing up to dinner. Mm -hmm. So we need to take account of who's been kicked around in the past. And who's probably going to be feeling the sting of just that person's presence, the sound of their voice. And we might not, in the face of something as as powerfully triggering as family, we might not actually be able to find that wise enough self, but we can find our authenticity. And my authenticity Mm -hmm. says, I'm willing to do this, but not that, Mm -hmm. or I'm not willing to do this at all right now. And Mm -hmm. it steps back and it creates the boundaries that that we need in order to to create a safe enough space for ourselves. That's exactly right. And I, I will tell you, I know this is a common theme in our, in our podcasts, but Corey navigated this really well. And he now knows he's the better one of the relationship. I think everything tells us that. (laughs) I think the data's in. It's really upsetting. (laughs) It's really upsetting for me. Um, (laughs) I've told you about competition in your, in relationship, right? You've read that part of the book. That's a no, no. I, I paged through it. I paged through it. There's not a lot of highlights in that highlighting. It would be fine if I were the winner. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Literally, the other night I was like, Lair thinks you're the best. And he's like, he pulls up our podcast on on Apple Podcast and he goes, follow. (laughs) I love that he hadn't followed yet. (laughs) That's like double dick right there. Dick. Like, <laughs> so good. Oh shit. He just needed that validation, you know. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Pretty soon you're gonna be texting him at night. I just know it. I could feel it in my bones. Like, How do you know I'm not? Fuck. Yeah. I text him all the time. That, that, Tell that me when she's really asleep good. so we can have some fun. <laughs> Now do this to her. <laughs> Draw that on her face. Is that why I wake up with dicks on my forehead? Like- <laughs> <laughs> that and a few other reasons. <laughs> there, there may be some shoddy videos out there of you. Yeah. You may or may not have your own OnlyFans page. <laughs> I'm not seeing a red scent from it, but someone is. So. <laughs> However, Corey has a new truck. <laughs> Wait a second. I got a raise at work. Don't worry about it. 
<laughs> he just pulls a lot of cash out at the dealership. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, going back to the topic of authentic self and how great Corey mm. is, what is what what I was aware of as I came out of this situation, and I feel a lot better about it than I did a month ago or whatever. But what I realized is how great it is to have a partner doing the work with you. Because mm-hmm. when you hit those moments where you think you're in your wise self, but you're really kind of just yep. in this weird limbo, it was Corey who was like, um, so babe, you know how the last two years I've said you need some boundaries? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a situation that. where it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, you came to like this con- conclusion a little faster than I did. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point that I, I wanted to make, which is that, well, first of all, when you do this work together, it gives you a common language. And so when Corey mm-hmm. said that to you, he wasn't coming out of left field with language. You were like, wait, what? You guys have yeah. both been doing the work, both read the book and are both kind of using that common language. So when he said, you know, boundaries and he was talking about parts and all of that, you knew exactly where he, what, what he was talking about. But when you get two people, when you get two people who are mindful and aware, taking those pauses and looking at the aspects of self that are showing up, taking that in a roll call and backing slowly into the wise enough or the most authentic versions of themselves. And they're using those parts to confront whatever issue they're having. I mean, that's a couple that's cooking with gas. They, they are not going to need my services for very long. Once, once you learn to do that, mm-hmm. that's the salve for almost anything. Yeah. It reminds me of that, that tragic story of the couple that, you know, I think it was the husband who just didn't want to do the work anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And so it's like, it, it's a double-edged sword. Like you, you either have somebody who has your back and you speak that language and and they help pull you out of situations or they don't do the work. And then you're kind of in this weird place of speaking two different languages and someone trying mm-hmm. and someone not trying and things like mm-hmm. that. So I think part of my authentic self journey was, you know, not just recognizing that it's okay to have an authentic self. It's okay to feel mad. It's okay to feel hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it was also that my authentic self better taken care of, not just by me, but by the fact that Corey can speak that language too, and take care of it too. If your partner is unwilling to do that work, to meet you in that place, that should be a red flag. And that includes things like, yeah, I'm not reading that book. You know, you put that book in front of them, you put it in their bag and their briefcase or whatever, you put it on the bed, they refuse to pick it up. When you ask, mm-hmm. hey, can we, can we do that? Let's try that couple's workshop. And they're like, yeah, no. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's do a workbook at home. Um, yeah, no. Listen, I am who I am is essentially what that person is saying. I'm not going to change. And mm-hmm. so if they're unwilling to do the work, if they're unwilling to better themselves if they're unwilling to 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 try and make the relationship better and themselves better that's got to be a red flag if it's not it's just it's it's there's just going to be this atrophy that sort of happens over the course of time where you find yourself you're essentially you know you're 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 in a rowboat with only one oar in the water Mm, that's a really Mm. good analogy yeah and i you know to be fair when when i first started this therapy journey Corey had literally said to me after i got out of a bad relationship he said I don't care if you talk to a priest or a Mm. therapist or Mm. a trusted friend, but you Mm. need to talk to somebody. Wow. You know, and that Corey had never gone through a lick of therapy in his life. 
And he said uh-huh. that to me when we were just friends. And, and I did, I, I recognized that he was right and did that. But when we, when I started to go through therapy and then later on in our relationship, it became sort of this like bristly point at first where, you know, he's resistant to it a little bit mm. and now he's the fucking best at it. He <laughs> really turned the corner. I, I spent so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And he read a book. This motherfucker has been riding my coattails yeah. from day one. Right. <laughs> Look but, at how good. He's, just, it, he's a natural. I, it's really annoying. Yeah. But I do think like there, there can be some friction and there was definitely red flags for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what conversation it was or what point it was. Something changed and and Corey mm-hmm. decided that he didn't want to be that person anymore. And I think what it was, was recognizing what you always talk about is his childhood wounding and, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that he was becoming some of the things that he hated. Mm-hmm. And then it was like this mirror mm-hmm. and that changed the trajectory of everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, I'm listening I'm reading articles, Sarah. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. I'm listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, he he'll be like, I I read an article on depression. So mm-hmm. I did you know? <laughs> it's so, interesting because you know something something woke him up. You know, there was mm-hmm. it's my wife likes to say that that you know the the wounding the pain in our lives is really a it's really the knock at the door. Mm-hmm. It's really the thing that is there to wake us up less than for us to just sort of dive into it and that be our experience. I like to say that everyone and everything is a mirror, a guru, a teacher on our road of life if we're willing to see it that way. And it mm-hmm. sounds to me like he he he's he's like you said he said he looked in the mirror and decided he wanted to do something different. So I think it's a mm-hmm. great question to ask ourselves like okay so is this the reflection that I want to have? When I tell this story in six months, five years, what do I want to be able to say? Mm-hmm. And so that's how people, places, things can become the mirror, the teacher, the guru that we need. Too often we just get mired in, son of a bitch. I, I'm concerned the about siren. that. I, I heard the well, siren. No, this, yeah. some, this guy next door has decided to do his fucking lawn. Mm. I'm so annoyed right now. I know. I know. You don't hear that? I hear a police siren. It's not a police siren. It's, it's, it's a. Oh, is that the guy? Oh, a it's blower. A it's a. Oh, yeah. okay. You're really scary. I bet you if you went outside and just like looked at him. <laughs> over the fence. I, I, I don't know that he's my guy, but I tell him you can't come anywhere between two and three o'clock on Fridays. And so it's like I told him you need to be here at two the 30. best time. Well, is it possible he he didn't understand? Mm, like, is he totally understands? Okay, okay, okay. He's just like fuck you. He's got it out for you. What is your authentic self telling you right now? <laughs> oh, boy, you want to hang on one second while I pop out there and see where he's at? Yeah, of course. Hang on. Yeah, so it's not my guy. It's the guy across the way, and oh. he's notorious for taking his time with his mm, blower. Okay, this is a guy that I actually saw. He was on his roof. With his leaf blower. Blowing his roof? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's doing the gutters. Maybe. I need him to come blow my gutters. That's what <laughs> that's on that mansion of yours. <laughs> that really oh, sounded God. like a different thing I was asking for. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I meant it. 
on that mansion of yours. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. That's what you should call it from now on, the manse. <laughs> Don't drop this comedic gold and then Lindsay's going to be like, I had to scrap the last of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Lindsay, I know that's not your voice. I, I was going to say, did when, did, when did she, like North Dakota? <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah, that's what you should call it from now on, the manse. Refer to it. Make voice called the manse. Hey, uh, can I get a piece of the manse? Oh, you want to come inside the mansion? The manse, if you will. Yeah, you can call the other one the vacation home. (laughs) You don't want to go there all the time. Not too many stays, but just enough. Just enough. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's a super host. I hope you're a super host for the, for the vacation. Responds within 24 hours. <laughs> super clean. Great reviews. Awesome Wi-Fi. <laughs> what? Wait. Spacious bathrooms. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to be so pissed if this is going to be cut. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Not Your Mama's Therapy. Thank you, Lara, for joining me. Of course, you guys can like and subscribe on all the major podcast channels. Mm -hmm. You can also follow us at NYTM Therapy on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can also follow Lara on his Mm -hmm. Instagram. I'll let you introduce that. It's Lara Torrent Holistic Therapist. I'm also going to be having a six-week couples workshop starting September 28th. It's every Wednesday for six weeks where I cover all of the practices within the practice of love. It's a two-hour Zoom class where there'll be homework in between and you get a chance to work with me. There are some spots left, so hopefully people who want to will, will join. You can find the link to that in my link tree link in my bio on uh, my Instagram account. And of course, you can pick up The Practice of Love, Lair's book, mm-hmm. at all major booksellers around the country and online. That's right. And it is definitely worth the time and worth the read. You can also pick up my personal favorite, the audio version. <laughs> and listen, you just got to listen to all the last few episodes to find out That's why right. I love the audio version of Lair's you book. You do enjoy that. Just... I turn the noise cancellation on on my AirPods and just listen. (laughs) Just drink it in. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. just, it vibrates my mind, you know, and other things. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) All right. I'm glad that the guy finally stopped blowing the leaves. I know. Just in time for us to end. I got a client now. I got to go. All right. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.